Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. It is April 5th, 2021. Can you believe it? Just, it seems like last week that we were transitioning out of the darkness of 2020 into 2021, and yet here it is already April. Um, time is just flying by. So big news in the Christian world. Um, it is Easter weekend, or was Easter weekend. Uh, so those uh, those of you in the Christian tradition, uh, we celebrated the the biggest celebration within the faith. Um, I mean, I guess you've got Christmas as well, with the birth of Christ. But Easter is really the the high point where you celebrate the death of Jesus on the cross. So we did that this weekend, and it is always good to slow your life down, even for just a weekend, and to really focus in on what's important. So happy Easter, everybody. Okay, let's move into our minute of transparency for this week. Uh, and this is just going to be a fun one. So the minute of transparency this week is what type of coffee drinker are you? I guess my first question should really be, do you drink coffee? Because I've heard that there are people who don't actually drink it. I mean, I've heard that they exist. So if that's you, I apologize. You'll have to just close your ears for a few minutes while I chat with the other 98% of the people. All right. So for those of you that do drink coffee, uh, what type of coffee drinker are you? Now, there aren't some tried and true list of coffee drinkers on the internet that I found. Um, this is just, I'm just going to throw out some stereotypes to at least get the conversation going. Okay. All right, type number one, the trucker. So the trucker is old school. They drink coffee like it's going out of style, but it's very practical, very pragmatic. They drink it all day or all night, whatever their uh, shift requires, to stay awake while they're driving. It doesn't really matter what it tastes like, just that you're getting enough of it into your bloodstream. They pull up to the 24-hour truck stop. They fill up their 48-ounce thermos with the darkest, most bitter, overpercolated sludge known to man. Then they proceed to drink it on the road for the next four hours. Now, there are people in type 1, people who don't actually drive truck for a living. Uh, these people are okay with stopping at a gas station or running into a 7-Eleven to grab the cheapest, most run-of-the-mill coffee available. Some drink it black, others have to dump in enough sugar to choke a camel just so they can get it down the hatch. But I think you get the idea when it comes to type 1. Type 2, the star graduate. This is the person who graduated from type 1, and now they are official Starbucks gold card carrying members. They have the app. They have so many stars in their account that they're getting a free coffee every week. Their taste buds have matured, and they believe drinking anything less than Starbucks is a sin. 
the coffee universe has opened up to them. Now, instead of that traditional black sludge, there is espresso, which opened the door to a myriad of concoctions. From cappuccinos to lattes to macchiatos to mochas, the world is your oyster. Or, if you need a short break from the coffee, you can do tea, chai tea, matcha, refreshers, and a variety of food items that cost more per gram than gold. But I digress. Type 3. The purist. Next up is the person who did the whole Starbucks thing for a while, then became disgusted with him or herself. To the point where they made a conscious decision to stop going to Starbucks and supporting the global monstrosity. Way too popular, way too cliche, and after all, they burn their coffee, or so they say. This person has found the local coffee shop and has made it their home. The local mom-and-pop shops, you know the type, the trendy coffee shops, the ones with the cute little names like Thanks a Latte, or The Espresso House, or Life's a Grind, or even Central Perk, for those of you who love the show Friends. These shops have real coffee, pure coffee, with beans responsibly sourced from unique parts of the world. Or better yet, they were shipped green and the local coffee shop actually roasts them in-house. At any rate, the people who frequent these shops tend to wear beanies, have tattoos, carry their iPads to look creative, hang out on the couches, listen to the underground tunes, and pretend that they have been enlightened away from those at the global monstrosity. Type 4. The full-on coffee snob. My favorite of the groups. Uh, The full-on coffee snob is the educated person, and they let you know it. They've done their research, and they know exactly how coffee should be made, and the science behind every aspect of the brew. They understand where coffee beans need to be grown, how they should be sourced, what the roasting process involves, the grind, the exact, or should I say, correct water to coffee ratio, the correct amount of time the water should be making its way through the coffee, and the correct temperature everything needs to be taking place at. But that's not all. They may even be able to tell you what form of coffee cup is the correct one to use if it is a short pull a doppio, a macchiato, or a ristretto. They tend to look down on everybody else, as they just don't understand the true meaning of coffee. These people may frequent the local coffee shops as long as they appear to be on the same page. But if not, the correct thing to do is to purchase all of the right implements so you can ensure the perfect pour every time yourself. Type 5, the homebody. I added this one, uh, kind of as a catch-all, right? Especially with the year we just had, the pandemic, people working from home, not going out as often. We had to make it work, right? And we had to do it in different ways. In fact, you probably have each of the above types represented in the homebody type. The truckers simply brew Folgers or Maxwell House coffee, 12 cups at a time. The star graduate has multiple bags of house blend, Verona, Pike Place, Yukon, and Sumatra on hand in order to brew their own from home. The purist, similar, uh, but they would never have bags of Starbucks coffee at their house. Instead, they order their whole bean coffee from the local, local coffee shop so they can grind it at home and make their own. 
And finally, the full-on coffee snob probably has an entire coffee shop set up in their own home anyway, and they can make just about any drink known to man. Type 6, the Generation K. I had to add this one at the end, right? It's a brand new type with the invention of the Keurig instant coffee machine and others like it. You had to see it coming. In this age of the immediate, have to have what we want, when we want it, with no waiting, the Keurig just fits right in. These people believe they have the world at their fingertips, all in the shape of a K-cup. Each of the types can get their favorite coffee, Folgers, Starbucks, the small shop brands. The only person that really is left out of this is the full-on coffee snob, as they would never view Keurig coffee as a legitimate source of caffeine. But it's okay, because they can make their own coffee in their own home coffee shops anyways. Unfortunately, the invention of the Keurig has set us back a few years in terms of the evolution of coffee. You just cannot get the true flavor of coffee out of a simple machine like a Keurig. It's sort of like making brownies in the microwave. I mean, you can do it, and if you're craving brownies, it will help ease the craving. But if you really want a good tasting brownie, you have to make it and put it in the oven. So that's all I have. And it has nothing to do with our topic for today. Just another small peek into the craziness that is my mind. So if you are a coffee drinker, which one are you? If I'm being honest, I would have to say that I've probably lived in each of the types I presented above, at least for a season. And I still bounce around between at least four of the types. Though I do struggle with a trucker type and the full-on coffee snob types. I just can't handle old-school coffee, and I typically refer to it as motor oil. And I do have the ability to do pour-over at my house, but I don't check the temperature. I don't follow prescribed methods for the way that you have to pour the water. Oh, it has to be counterclockwise or clockwise. Forget that. To me, it's just one more method for getting water to pass through coffee beans in order to create the nectar of the gods. And with that said, let's be done. So today's topic, transcending naughty. In this episode, we all have a past, tell the whole story, and choose a better future. Number one, we all have a past. So this episode really piggybacks off of a previous one, or maybe even two, but at least in episode 52, transcending your past, Uh, We talked about not letting your past define who you are today. In this episode, we try to flesh out that idea a little bit further. I wanted to take a slightly different approach to understand some of the naughty things we did and may still do today. So why did I call it naughty and not bad or inappropriate or sinful or harmful? Well, because as a coworker once told me, I just like the word naughty. It sounds so funny. So that's why I use the word naughty. This one's for you, Jamie Ruth. To start, let's get a simple definition cooking for the word. Dictionary.com defines naughty as disobedient or mischievous, used especially when speaking to or about children, and second, improper, tasteless, or indecent. So pretty much what you would expect, right? 
Disobedience stands out for me when I think back to my childhood. I was disobedient to my parents and to my teachers at times. Um, there are many stories, but here are two short ones that come to mind. So one time I did the whole running away thing. Uh, I must have been mad at my parents or felt like I was not being listened to. Or maybe I had been naughty and I just didn't want to accept the consequences. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, I pulled together everything I thought I would need to live on my own. I had a tent, a sleeping bag, a backpack with clothes, I had snacks, uh, and I got everything attached to my bike, and I set off for the two-and-a-half-mile ride to my school, where I set up shop in the grass behind the building. I put up the tent, got everything situated, had a few snacks, and then realized my mistake. I had snacks, but it was getting close to dinner time, and I was hungry. Hungry for real food. So I packed everything back up and rode home with my tail between my legs. So naughty. The second story happened in school. And I got a little too big for my britches there as well. Uh, we were playing baseball, and for some dumb reason, in elementary school, it seemed to be a pretty heated game. Uh, we must have all been a little too competitive. At any rate, one kid did something that I didn't like, and the words started to fly. Whatever he said irritated me enough to where I thought I had to escalate things. So what did I do? I found his baseball glove, and I filled it with dirt. That, of course, did not go over very well. So he took a run at me, and at the last second jumped into the air in an attempt to kick me square in the chest. Now, I wasn't in karate or any form of martial arts, but instinctively I moved out of the way, and I pushed him. This push was just enough to make him lose his balance, and he landed flat on his back, knocking the wind out of him. For all of this, we both got spanked at school, because that's what they did back then. Our parents were called, and we were suspended for a couple of days. Again with the naughty. So those were just two examples of how being naughty or disobedient took place in my early years. However, it didn't necessarily stop there. Um, you know, some of my adult behavior could probably be considered improper or indecent, as the uh, definition describes. Now, I won't go into too much detail here, but there are a couple of situations I can think of right away. In college, um, I found myself dealing with road rage. I'm not sure why, but I could be that I'm an Enneagram 1, and an unhealthy one becomes upset when other people don't pull their weight, when they buck the system, when they're lazy, and when they don't follow rules that should be obvious to everyone, right? So anyway, this led to a number of incidents where I chased, cut off, brake checked, or communicated with my hands when irritated with another driver. Naughty, naughty, I know, very improper. Another thing I look back on was my use of social media back when it first came out. Like others, I fell into the bad habit of using it as a way to call people out, bash ideas, and otherwise be obnoxious from a distance. I don't think I ever said anything that could get me into trouble or something that would have ended a relationship or a friendship. But I look back at my tweets when Twitter first came, a, came out, when it first became a thing, and I'm not really proud of them. Some of them actually shock me a bit, and I wonder 
was I really like that? How close-minded. I can't believe I actually thought those things. That's embarrassing. Naughty, even. So what about you? Is it the same? Like when you look back, can you identify the naughty behaviors that uh, you've displayed in your past? Number two, tell the whole story. So in episode 52, we talked about our past behavior impacting our present and future, and that is a big problem. But we talked about that past in a variety of ways. We said that there were bad things that happened to us. So this could be accidents, it could be natural disasters, things like that. Or it could be bad things that people did to us. So a variety of forms of inappropriate behavior, abuse, things like that, that people did to us. And it could also be bad things that we did. Either we did to ourselves, or we did to our family or our friends or other people. Uh, but in this episode, we're just going to focus on the last one, the bad or naughty things that we did in the past. Now, the outcome is still the same, right? We talked about this behavior impacting us in the present and potentially having the ability to ruin our future, but we didn't spend a lot of time on how to keep it from ruining your life. We just glossed over that part. So today, I wanted to walk through a process, a very real way that you can take one of those naughty things you did and walk it through from beginning to end, all in an attempt to work through it, to come to terms with it, and to move forward in health. So we're simply going to refer to this as telling the whole story. And we're going to have a, a few steps to walk through in order to make it happen. So step one, define the act, event, or behavior. Sometimes this is the hardest part, right? We have flashes, small memories of it, but that's really all. Our minds don't want us to fully remember it, or it would be too difficult too sad, or too embarrassing. But we must define define it in the most accurate terms possible. Uh, I believe it is Dr. Phil that uses the phrase, you have to name it before you can claim it. Now, his phrase meant something totally different. But in our situation, it's actually quite true. If you can't accurately explain what it was you did, how can you expect to work through it and move on? Here's an example. The fuzzy explanation is people told me I drank a bit too much. Naming it correctly sounds more like I chose to use alcohol. This led to a pattern of behavior where I drank three to six mixed drinks every night. It led to family problems, driving under the influence, a lack of productivity, and emotional baggage that weighed me down to the point where I almost gave up on myself. Wow. See the difference? In the first statement, there is zero ownership, no details about the problem it was causing, and a minimization of the impact that it had on you and the world around you. In the second statement, there is ownership, and there are details about the level it got to and the dangerous behaviors that went along with it. And the final statement details that it was almost a life or death situation at some point. This is what we mean when we say define it. Step two. Verbalize that it was wrong. This is really the next step in the process, being able to say without shading the truth or minimizing your behavior that it was in fact wrong. In the traditional 12-step programs like AA, you follow a similar pattern. In meetings, you start with something like this. Hello, my name is Daryl. 
and I'm an alcoholic. This is defining the act or the behavior. And then future steps build on top of that. For example, in step eight, you make a list of the things that you did to other people. In step 10, you continue to take responsibility for the negative behaviors that you have. In a similar way, our step two is to verbalize that it was actually wrong. Wrong because it hurt other people, wrong because it was illegal, wrong because it went against your religious beliefs perhaps, wrong because you broke promises that you made to people. Step three, ask forgiveness if appropriate. If you know for sure that your behavior harmed another person, it can be a healthy next step to ask for forgiveness. At the same time, there are situations where it is not helpful and you need to figure this out. If you can't, ask someone you trust, ask a counselor, but don't just go to the victim because it looks like it is a step on a list. If it is appropriate, Go to the person and explain, this is what I did, I know it was wrong, I'm sorry for the way I acted, and I'm asking for your forgiveness. Then, let it be. The person has the right to accept your request or reject it. At that point, you've done your part, and that's all you can do. If the person chooses not to forgive you, it then becomes a set of chains that they will wear moving forward, chains that come with holding a grudge. Step four, forgive yourself. At this point, some people keep beating themselves up over the very memory of the thing that they did. Also, some people may want to place this step higher in the list, right? Suggesting that you have to fix yourself before you can ask for forgiveness from another person. But for some reason, I really like it here in our list. Sure, work on yourself before you ask for forgiveness. You probably have already. If you get to the point where you're able to understand your behavior, that it was wrong, and realize that you need to ask for forgiveness, then you've probably already done some of that hard work. But my guess is that you may still struggle with your past, even after that. So I really like it placed right here. When you're ready, really ready, to forgive yourself, you will probably believe the following. That you are loved. The God who created you loves you. This is the spiritual side of the 12-step process for a reason. Understanding that you miss the mark, just as our kids miss the mark. It's a huge shift in perspective. When our kids get a bad grade on a test or come home drunk from a party, we don't love them any less, and we would still do anything for them. Similarly, this is the way God views you. I mean, didn't we just talk about Easter at the top of the show? The fact that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, for all of those crazy, ridiculous, stupid things, naughty things that we did in our past. And the Bible makes it sound like he, God, has a love for us that goes even beyond the love that a parent has for a child. If you can get that into your brain right? If you can get to the place where you fully believe that, then you're on your way. Next, you move on to purpose. If the God of the universe created me and loves me, then I have purpose and I have value. And if I have purpose and value, then what am I doing standing here wallowing in the past, right? I need to find my true path and get on it. 
Step five, grow slash mature. In this step, you do the following. You do a hard examination of your behavior. What can you learn from it? How can you do things differently? AA calls it people, places, and things. Are there people that contributed to your behavior? Are there places you used to go that supported your behavior? And were there things that you did that enabled the behavior? Figure these things out and do the opposite, or at least make changes in those areas. Choose a better path. Become proactive versus reactive. Set goals. Create guardrails. Allow other people to call you out on your behavior. And keep moving forward. Number three, choose a better future. So this last section isn't really rocket science, right? In fact, it's just going back over step five. To grow and mature is to choose a better future, one where we're less naughty. It's gaining clarity on the past and choosing that you don't want to make the same mistakes over and over again. It's looking into the future and seeing possibilities seeing a light at the end of the tunnel instead of only darkness. And this is just viewing the future from a selfish point of view, right? Choosing a better future because it benefits you, because it's the next right thing for you to do. But take this to the next level, and you will start doing it for others and for the world, ultimately following God's new commandment from John 13, 34 to 35, where it says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let's land the plane. So this week, ask yourself the following questions. First, have you dealt with some of the naughty things that you've done in your past? If not, what would it look like to use the tell the whole story method in order to work through them. And finally, what does choosing a better future mean to you? What does it look like? And what decisions would it it require you to make in order to make it happen? I think that's all for today. Uh, Thanks again for being with us. I hope this has been helpful, regardless where you're at in life or in your faith. Again, a very happy Easter to all of you. And until next time, Have a great week, stop being naughty, and keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.